Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We as black women, the strength in which we carry our, even our black kings, right? We as queens, I'm just so proud of us. I'm proud of us that despite all obstacles that have been against us, we continue to rise. We continue to succeed. Hi, I'm Miss Danielle, and this is Help a Human Out, episode two of Black Story Month. Last week, we talked about discrimination in medicine and the work that Dr. Tosin Oduncy is doing to help Black and Latinx women become doctors. It was amazing. This week, we are talking less professional and more personal. During the day, I'm a teacher, special educator, actually. At night, I'm a podcast host. But all day long, whether I'm at work or at Starbucks, I'm always Black. A Black woman. And I'm constantly reminded of that by the things people say or the way that they look when they're looking at me. Today's topic is microaggressions. I know most people of color, our BIPOC people, understand what a microaggression is. And if you're white and you're listening and you don't know what it is, that's okay too. You're going to learn today. And unfortunately, you might realize that you have perpetuated some of those microaggressions. Again, not your fault. We're here to learn. You're going to learn a lot about microaggressions on this episode. But I will tell you this. When you touch a black woman's hair, that is a microaggression. When you assume that a black woman does not have a college degree or you tell her that she doesn't talk black. All microaggressions, you see where I'm going with this, right? All right, we'll talk a lot about it. And today on the podcast is my good friend, Tanisha Nicole, who is a proud Latina mother of two brilliant, beautiful babies. She's a middle school educator and 20-year radio veteran who has broadcasted throughout the world, including on the BBC in London. She is an HBCU graduate of Bowie State University, was featured in the Washington Post for graduating at the top of her class, and recognized by the governor. Okay, Black excellence. She's a former producer and on-air personality and worked at the nationally syndicated Michael Bayesden show. She's currently on the air in Las Vegas in the mornings with the Wake Up Squad on Power 88, the People's Station. She advocates for social justice, human rights, and education reform, using her voice for those often unheard. She's received various awards, including a distinguished coin on behalf of the Armed Forces Network, and hello, listen to this, Teacher of the Year. But what she is most proud of is being unapologetically black as fuck, her words, and being her authentic self. She's launching her own podcast, The Naked Truth, with Tanisha Nicole, March 1st. I can't wait to be a guest on the show and to tune in. It's going to be amazing. Now, listen, you might want to get comfortable with the fact that this episode is probably going to make you uncomfortable, but that is okay. You got to sit in the discomfort. We know that when we sit in the discomfort, we will grow from it. Let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Tanisha Nicole. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. I feel like it's it's one of those things that, I mean, how could we not be ready? This is what we, we live through often, right? 
I was going to say it's something that we definitely experience. And honestly, this conversation makes people uncomfortable. So to be able to speak in a safe space and be unfiltered about it. I'm like, let's do this. We ain't got time no more. Yeah, I want to I want to pause you there real quick T and tell and just say because I think it's important. Prior to us actually jumping on and starting to record, Tanisha asked me. She said, "Okay, wh- you know, what is my filter? Do I have to be filtered? Do I have to?" And I'm like, "No." And I want you to know, um helpers out there, listeners, that is what happens to black women all the time. We have to filter ourselves so much. And even the fact that she was coming here to sit down and talk to a black woman and had to ask, okay, well, do I have to filter myself? Like, who is listening to this? And I told her flat out, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And I want I want you to speak a little more to that, Tanisha. Like, why do we have to do that? You know, Danielle, it's natural for us because we're conditioned to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in this society, in this world, in which the presence of a Black woman can make people uncomfortable. Often and does. So, <laughs> and, and, and what's sad is that we have to figure out, how do we make you feel comfortable? How do we make you feel okay around my Blackness? And this is what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about microaggressions. And for people who are who are listening who might not be, um, you know, well-versed on what a microaggression is, allow me to tell you. Uh, A microaggression is a brief and commonplace kind of verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignity, right? So it is intentional sometimes, sometimes it's unintentional, but it communicates hostile, derogatory, or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups. Hello, Black women. Okay, that is us. (laughs) Um, It is... It is all of this. It is in the way we wear our hair, in the comments that we get, the way we dress, smile more, um, all these different things. And today, my dear friend Tanisha Nicole is going to have the conversation with me. And it's going to be real, and it's going to be honest. And honestly, I think this will probably the real be the realest I've ever been on this podcast um, because I'm. it is such a safe space for me talking to someone I love talking to somebody who I know has a very similar experience and um, my friend, my sister. And this is something we both relate to. And um, buckle up because it's you're, you're in for a ride on this one. What is it like being a Black woman in 2021, Tanisha? Wow. Pressure. <laughs> Pressure. When we are the ones, and I'm going to say it, and I'm proud to say it, to carry... <laughs> a nation. And I mean that. Yes, you do. Because when it comes to as far as the election goes and everything else, I feel like Black women as a whole, there's so much pressure. And for the longest time, we've been taught that we as Black women, we can't break. Mm. We can't have those moments in where we exhale too much or if we're exhausted, right? So as Black women, that whole stigma, I want to say stigma, Definitely. Of being strong, right? Mm-hmm. We're strong Black women, which is a beautiful thing. Yes. But with that being said, when that's pronounced for us, people continue to throw things at us. They continue to, and thinking that, oh, they can they can handle that, right? And, and so when I say pressure, it's pressure in trying to exist within this society and being unapologetically who we are. But do understanding that when we do that, oftentimes that works against us just for truly being Black. Yeah, I 
Whew, got to exhale on that one. I, I tell you, when we talk about being a black woman in 2021, I remember um, you texted me right after Kamala, right, mm-hmm. um, became <laughs> our vice president yes. of the United yes. States. And because you knew what it what it meant, what it felt like, what just it means something to a lot of people. It definitely means something different to black women. Oh, it means so many different things for us, especially when we're coming off of and still in the death of George Floyd, yeah. who was crying for his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, when we we're talking about a Breonna Taylor, as a Black woman in society, as it has been stated before, we're the most disrespected person on the planet. Come on. And to see that Madame Vice President Kamala Harris to be in that position. See, a lot of people are saying, oh, look at all the broken glass and we're getting these references of her hitting and that glass ceiling. But see, for Black women, there's concrete after Mm. that glass. Yep. So as though I know that she is in that position and I'm so grateful for her being able to be in that position, which she has earned. What's sad is, let's not also forget, as a Black woman, as Olivia Pope said in Scandal, Mm -hmm. her daddy said, she has to be that much more. Oh, she does. Right? It, it, she has there's to be a weight. that much more. There's a weight of it. So not only are we talking about being a black woman in 2021, but you and I both know a little about both know a little bit about being a black woman in the spotlight. And honey, yes. let me tell you, mm. it is not easy. Mm, it is not. It is not easy. I, you know, T, I think about Kamala. And I think like you said, I think about, you know, because I, I believe this is it's life-changing, it's history, it's beautiful. And and also, the both and, right? And also, I'm fully aware what this means for her. I'm fully aware how she has to carry herself um, throughout all of this, right? I'm fully aware that people are going to look at her and want to make an example out of her if she says something a certain way, wears something. Remember what they did to Obama? Yes. Yes, uh, Obama and what he was wearing and just the whole scrutiny. I mean, a family that showed so much integrity and poise and just a beautiful family all the way around, how they still were completely scrutinized. Yeah. and I, but, but what I wanted to say was this. Here's the other side to that, right? Mm-hmm. The side to it is this. Now with a microaggression of, well, you know, a Black female president is here now, right? Yes. So it's almost like, well, there's progress, right? So you guys, what what's the deal now? You can't really say there's racism when we've had a black male president and now we have a female VP, right? Mm-hmm. President. So that's also going to be a part of that that we have to navigate through as well. You know, I wonder if I wonder if No, I don't wonder. I know. I know you remember one of those moments because like Kamala, like me, you have been a woman in the spotlight. I want you to tell me a story about either an email, a DM, a message you received from a white woman. Do you have mm. one? It's more so the comments. Yes, it's the, in the comments section. Tell, I, it's happened to me so much, T, that... I can't even, the audacity of some of the things women say when they slide into my DMs. And, you know, what I noticed, this is the biggest thing for me. 
what I noticed, and I and I noticed it about uh, Barack Obama as well. They wanted to take his blackness from him so much. Oh yes. Well, his mother is white. Well, mm-hmm. and it's like yes, but you you see him, you see him going, <laughs> like you see him going down the street, and you don't ever say. That's a white man. <laughs> like, uh, well, th- this is this is the interesting thing. It's funny you asked this question um, about what I have received. I've received it in in terms of the spotlight. Let's just talk to day to day real quick. And I know you were talking about being in the limelight. Uh, my son, he was called the N word simply sitting outside of school his first day of middle school, and. I was overjoyed. I have a sixth grader, right? This is huge. It's a milestone. And as he's outside of the school and I pull up, my son's face is just heavy. Oh, no. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, wait, this was, you know, the best day ever. He was excited. He picked his outfit out for the whole week. He's like, mom, I'm a middle schooler now. And he looks so defeated. And I said, you know, Elijah, what happened? And he said, Mom, this kid walked past me. Now it's a pro- predominantly white school, mm-hmm. and he said, "He said, what's up?" But he said, "He it was no soft A. It was just what it was." And the kid laughed and walked off. Wow, harsh, of course, harsh could, ER. We, yes. Now here's where we get into what you said as far as responses of white women. I went on social media and I spoke to the situation and how it feels to be a mother right? And as a woman, to put your children out there in the world and knowing how harmful it can be for them, especially Black males and Black females, right? Mm -hmm. And so I got a whole bunch of comments. I had a white woman said, oh, he must have did something. Uh, What What did he do? He said, he was probably using foul language, I promise you. He was probably cursing and saying stuff. So he, they already profiled my child. Because now they're assuming that they know how your child behaves. He's going to behave as a thug, mm-hmm. right? He's going to have to. There's no way like that a white kid would have just went and called your child the N-word. Mm. No way. You know, and dismissing and missing all of it. Yeah. Trying to explain to me, you know, uh, that... My son deserved that pretty more. So he probably provoked it. Oh, of course. And this was an interaction that I had on social media. And it it constantly happens. Or me celebrating the fact that Kamala Harris is a Black woman. And I, girl, if you could have seen. Well, actually, she's not Black only. She's also Asian descent. Well, I'm fully aware. Right. But I just, I know, I know. Because that same situation happens to me all the time when it comes to my mom. My mom is a white-passing black woman, mm-hmm. okay? My grandpa is black, was black. May he rest in peace. My grandpa was black. And, you know, this is, it's so crazy. My mom, actually, Tanisha, was born on August 28, 1963. And the reason why that is important is because that is the exact day that Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. Mm-hmm. I actually refer to my mom as the dream baby. Because my grandmother was a white Irish woman, racist as hell, to be honest. I'll be let me just put it out there. She just happened to love my black grandpa. <laughs> but she <laughs> she locked the door every time she see when we were in the car, she locked the door every time she saw a black person walk by. And I saw mm. this, right? So like I, I witnessed this and I and I didn't know exactly what it was when I was so young, but now as a grown-up, I recognize that my grandma had a lot of racist tendencies, okay? Mm-hmm. Um but every time 
I talk about being black on the internet. There are white women who like to slide into my DMs and remind me that my mother is white, as if I don't know the actual DNA of my own mother. And mm. it happens all the time. Isn't your mom white? Why don't you ever support your white side? I don't even know what that looks like, okay? Like, I, yeah. I, I, and it's just the audacity for these women to think that they need an explanation. I also want to stop and say that, you know, Tanisha and I, we have love for everybody, okay? But we also know that there's a difference between white women and women who are white. Because we love yes. a few women who are white. White women are the women who elected Donald Trump. White women are the the women who got Emmett Till killed. Mm-hmm. Right? These are white women and there is a difference. And so if you're sitting wherever you're sitting and some of this is stinging, make sure you're a woman who is white, not a white woman. Because there is a difference. And to be clear, both white women and women who are white need to do the work. Because it, it, the work is for all of us. And we all have to keep pushing forward. But there definitely is a difference. I, were you ever told, Tanisha, that you're pretty for a black girl? Oh, yes. <laughs> right. It just, <laughs> that was. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? That's, do you remember what it felt like? I do. I do remember that. I remember constantly uh, being told. I, I've, I've always been the exception to the rule. Always. Me I've too. always been the token. I've always been that, and I recognize what that was. You know, I was the one that, okay, I was passable and acceptable. Mm-hmm. I was a friend that people could have because I wasn't, you know, darker. You know, all those different things as if Yeah, as the if light-skinned I'm privilege. Not, yeah, yeah, and it, it's just crazy to me, right? Mm-hmm. But I have heard that phrase before, or in terms of my hair, you know, well, oh, you've got nice hair as if they're shocked and appalled. Like, wow, how did you, you know, a, a black woman, you know, those type of things, uh, depending on what I, how I'm wearing it, because my curls and kinks do what they want, right? Right, right. If it's a little kinkier and it's the Afro, you know what I mean? Um, I get petted like a dog at times without permission. So um, listen, listen, that's a whole situation in itself. When we talk about microaggressions, you will always hear black women talk about hair. It is one of the the offenses that happen to black women when it comes to our hair is it's next level. Okay, and so, first of all, microaggressions get written into dress codes. Mm. Sometimes when you're going to work, it literally tells you that you cannot even wear your natural hair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to make sure that you're reading handbooks because your natural state of hair might not even be okay with the code of conduct. Can we talk about the fact that there were kids and individuals that were kicked out of school or not allowed to graduate based on the texture of their hair and how they wore yes, it? Yes, absolutely. So can we also discuss that I have a lot of friends that are in the military, women that are black officers, lieutenant colonels, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been told that their hair is based on regulations of what the military has in place, that it's uh, unprofessional. Yeah, so basically it's white supremacy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what unprofessional, like the whole unprofessional hair, right? So you wearing your natural hair in an Afro, that's not professional. But pulling it back and making sure that you're not showing too, uh, it's only certain things in which you can do, again, because it's unprofessional. 
And it's just crazy that you live in a society in which you're told that you have to conform, Mm -hmm. right, to more of European standards in terms of beauty or acceptance, right, in order for you to be accepted within a certain space. Did you feel beautiful as a little girl, Tanisha? No. I didn't Um, either. No. I will tell you a story that um, when I was younger, I remember looking at all the different princesses, Mm. looking at all of the different images that were on television, on the movie screens, on the billboards, and none of them looked like me. Yeah. Representation. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I remember what that felt like because I remember desiring to have my hair be a certain way or my nose or certain features on me or for me to have a certain type of body type because based on society, because I watched Saved by the Bell. Now, Lisa Turtle. Come on, Lisa Turtle. She was Lisa Lisa Turtle was there, okay? Yes. But, But with that being said, at the end of the day, it was Kelly right? That everybody loved. Female. Yes. And that's, that's the way it was. And then when I went on to have my own daughter, I'll never forget. And it's, it's one of those moments where I sit there and I looked at my little Malia. She had came home from daycare. She wasn't even in kindergarten. She was like three. I want to see three or four. Tanisha, I can literally finish this story for you. Oh, I'm sure. Because she, I, she, I have the same one. Go ahead and finish it, please. Yep. She came home and she told me she wanted her hair mm. up and down. Like the other and girls. And she wanted it yellow mm. and up and down. Of course, that was her way of saying she wanted blonde, blonde, straight hair. She came home and said that. Another thing that she also said was that the kids said her skin looked like poop. Oh, my God. So it was that. And so here I am loving on my daughter. And as I'm looking my daughter in my, my, looking at my daughter in her face, I'm saying to her, no, your kinks and curls are beautiful. Your skin is beautiful. You are beautifully made. You know, God has created you in this beautiful. If all the flowers in the garden looked the absolute same, it would be such a boring garden. That's why, you know, and I'm having this conversation. And then she looked at me and said, but you got um, straight hair. here. And now that was the day that I did because I had been putting relaxers in my hair. Mm -hmm. I had been putting the hair weaves in. I had been doing all those things to try to find the hair Mm -hmm. that looked like what was society deemed as beautiful and, and good hair. So at that point, I looked her in her face and she was absolutely right. How could I tell my daughter she was beautiful, even though society was telling she wasn't? And I, myself looking in my mirror, felt I had a need to shift and change my authentic self to be accepted. So I went to look. At that point, I went that same day. I went to Walmart. Walmart girl, because I was like, look, I was getting a buzz cut. I was not You did the big shop? Yep. I just did the big, I had them shave me. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I was, I was looking in the mirror. This was double. Okay. As I was looking in the mirror, um, side story real quick is that my father, when I was younger, they actually held me down and shaved my hair off when I was probably around five because my stepmother didn't want to do my hair because mm. it was too much of a hassle. So when I looked in the mirror, I saw that little girl and I started to cry I as I saw the hair fall. And it, because it was, it was traumatic. And then it was also, it was a trigger. And then I looked, but then I was in control. Liberated. And as I knew, yeah, I was liberated. And as it fell, 
And I remember my hair started to grow back in and my daughter looked at me. She said, you got hair like me, mommy. Mm -hmm. And I said, I do. And guess what? We have beautiful hair. And ever since then, I've never put in a relaxer. And I just made a commitment to being able to love my reflection, despite what other women who do not, women who are not of color, tell me what they like. Because let me get a blowout. And everybody's like, oh my God, you look incredible. You're so beautiful. It's like the moment your hair is straight, you you become so much more palpable. How do you say it? Girl, say the word for me. Girl, I can't say it. Palpable. It's just like, it's just like me trying to say Worcester sauce. It ain't going to happen. Did I say it right? I don't know. I I feel like you said it right, but it's like, it's like we're more digestible. Let's go with that one. We're more digestible, right? And you know what, Tanisha? I got so damn tired of being digestible. And like for for them, right? Obviously, I, I want to show up in the world as my authentic self, but I recognize that for so long I wasn't. And when we're talking about hair, I remember a moment where I was at a kid's birthday party and this white woman comes up and she's looking at Marley's hair and she tells me, and I kid you not, just normal conversation tells me that her dog, a poodle, and Marley have the exact same hair. You know what? You know what? You know what? I I, I legit, like, legit sucked the breath out of me for a second because I was like, no, this has to be my mistake. There's no way this lady just said my baby had poodle hair. And so I I looked at her and I said, "Um, like, I'm I'm sorry, what? And she was like, oh, my God, they have the same hair. I have a poodle. She has poodle hair. And I said, "Um, except she's a person and has human hair. And the woman tried to argue me down, Tanisha. She needed me to admit that her poodle and my little black child had the exact hair because my child had to have had poodle hair. And... And see, and this is the moment and the, and that I would have... I know, wait, but here's Danielle, the thing. I know, I, but why can't I react the way I want to? Finish Danielle, my sentence, Tanisha. Why couldn't I react the way Danielle, I wanted to? let me tell you mm-hmm. what I felt instantly. <laughs> I wanted to say, oh, so we talking about bitches now, right? Right. Because <laughs> when she's talking about bitches... <laughs> Bitch, I'm going to need you to back up. Away from me and my daughter. Of course it's what I wanted to say, but why couldn't I do it, Tanisha? We know why we can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we as black women, the angry black woman, just so angry. Which in that moment, I had every right to be what, Tanisha? Angry, because it's an emotion. Yes. And and white women are allowed to be angry, right? Absolutely. And I I couldn't do it because I I, I just remember looking at this lady, and I am not exaggerating. I thought to myself, if I say what I want to say, even though it is warranted, I know how quick she is going to be the victim and how quick— I am going to be the aggressor, despite the yep. fact that this woman just said my daughter has poodle hair and connected my dog and an animal together. So yeah. I told her my my child does not have poodle hair and that, you know, the conversation was over. But I'm so exhausted with having with having to be nice to people who say things like that or having to like I'm I, and I'm not doing it anymore. You know, this was this was young, young Danielle, because over 30 and now 36-year-old Danielle Tanisha, I don't have the time or the patience to entertain uh, that kind of ridiculousness. Let me say this. Okay, this is let me let me say this. That is what's 
crazy about it, right? What's crazy about it, and that goes to privilege that a lot of white women don't want to even acknowledge exists, okay? But with that being said, I was sitting in the mayor's, uh, there was actually a city uh, council meeting, and I was there for Black Lives Matter. And as I'm sitting there, the mayor there, don't care, Mayor Goodman, she's on the mic, and she, you could tell the way in which she was treating us as individuals of color because, one, normally we're able to give public comments in the beginning, they pushed it to the end. We had been waiting outside for hours. We had to receive numbers. They knew the ACP was coming to speak. They knew we were coming in numbers. So they rearranged the day, right? Hoping right. that a lot of us would have got tired of waiting to enter. Of course, with the pandemic, they only let a certain amount in, but they shifted the order of the actual meeting. And so as I'm sitting through and I'm listening, I promise you, I'm sitting in these seats and as I'm waiting to speak up about the way Black men and women are being treated within uh, by the police department here in Las Vegas and just, you know, at, speaking of concerns, I have to wait until the end. I promise you, I'm sitting there. There was a white woman that went up there and I'm not trying to take away from what she was, you know, up there for. Mm -hmm. But she said this phrase, and I promise you this. After hearing them talk about sidewalks, talking about parking spaces, talking about buildings, talking about all these things, she said, and parking lots matter. <gasps> okay? No, dead serious. Now, mind you, we're sitting there and I'm listening. And as I'm listening, I'm looking at us just so well behaved as good Negroes. Yes. Because we got to follow the protocol as we sit there, mm. right? Now, when it came to our time to speak, they were only giving us, if I'm not mistaken, were we given maybe two minutes, maybe one or two minutes to speak. That was it. Now, if you wanted additional minutes, then somebody else could volunteer and give you minutes, right? Okay. So as this is going on, the NAACP president uh, is up there at that point. And I remember at at some point, there was this whole thing where the mayor, everybody's raising their hands to give her more minutes to speak, right? Yeah. Okay, she can have my minutes. Well, the mayor's like, I can't really see. Like, she's playing this game. Mm -mm. So I said, no. And I stood up and I start counting. One, two, three, four. And then I told her how many minutes she had. And she goes, ma'am, there's no need for that, right? And I remember she told me, she said, there's no need for you to be uh, angry and upset. And oh, she's telling here me we go. Right? She's telling me as she sat there comfortably with the other people. And by the way, one of the women up there was a racist woman who said that her, her white ass should get um, a job over the other black asses. <gasps> like, that's why we were there too, okay? This is, she's sitting up there, Fury sitting up there. That's why I was there as well. So as they sit up there, and at first I apologized. Of course you Danielle. did, which is ridiculous, I, but it's so I, ingrained in us. It's so I, I said, ingrained in us. I, I was crying and I was emotional. And I said, I'm sorry. And then I said, you know what? No, I'm not sorry. I said, I'm not. I feel this way for a reason. Because at the end of the day, you do not understand what it feels like to be a Black woman in society who can't just give birth to kids 
and go through their milestones without the fear of having to sit down with your children and tell your young son, I'm so thankful that we're getting you eyeglasses today because as he goes into the eyeglass place and he places these glasses on his face, I exhale a little bit and I go, and I realized, I went, did I just sigh relief? And I said, you know why? Because I thought maybe those glasses might save his life. They might protect him. Because I thought maybe they'll look at him and he will look (laughs) less aggressive because he's wearing glasses. And my my son wants contacts. And I said, no, because maybe, right? And the fact that I have to talk to my daughter and say, as these white friends that she has, these little white girls she plays with, one of them wanted to play door um, bell ditch. Or ding dong ditch. We can't do that. And run. We can't do it. Oh my God, Tanisha. Oh Oh my God. I remember, I remember the, the difference, right? Because we're kids. We all want to do it. Oh my gosh. I have five brothers, black, obviously. And I remember just how big of a deal it was. You do not ding-dong ditch as a Black kid. You want to because it's a kid rite of passage, (laughs) right? You want to. It's supposed to be fun, whatever. We're grown now. We know it's ridiculous. But as a kid, you're like, oh, my God, this is fun. We we could, like, ding-dong ditch as a Black person can get you killed very quickly, Right, Girl, like, you can't even ring you, the doorbell. What was the story about the young boy that his school bus or something happened and mm-hmm. he went to go ring the doorbell? And they opened and a the white door man with the gun. With a shotgun. Like when you gotta tell your children, I just had a conversation with my kids. Listen, I'm in the grocery store, okay? Mm-hmm. And as I'm going through, I had items and so no, no, we're I'm leaving out. And, you know, somebody had walked through as well. Well, the sensor went off, the ding, ding, you know, the whatever line. Guess what I did automatically? I didn't have nothing in my hands. I had my hands. I put my hands up. Yep. I put them up, showed my hands, and I looked at the security like, I ain't got nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Not any other white person did that. Even the ones that probably possibly may have set the alarm off. I did. Of course you did, because you want to be safe in every situation. And time and time again, it's been proven to us that we're not safe in many situations. And even sometimes when we're doing what is right, when we're doing it by the book, Philando Castile, when we're telling you that we're trying to follow the rules, even still then, can you end up dead? And, And... microaggressions play into that. It's these these little ugh, ideas that you just think you know how we are because of the color of our skin. Okay, we need to take a quick break, but we will be right back after this message from our sponsors. Help a Human Out is sponsored by Civic Saint, a Black-owned, purposeful lifestyle company created to advance social justice. Civic Saint's beautiful collection of affirming apparel and accessories were designed to uplift people, advancing the Black Lives Matter and voter rights movements. Listeners of Help a Human Out will love their new signature I Am Human Crew Neck sweatshirt. Cozy and chic, this must-have garment is the perfect way to stay warm all winter long and remind your peers of our shared humanity. Your purchase also benefits the fight for racial and social equity in America through donations to appropriate organizations. Listeners of today's podcast receive free shipping with code FREEHUMAN. This is an exclusive offer for Help a Human Out listeners. Again, the code is FREEHUMAN, and you can shop and learn more today at civicsaint.com. That's civicsaint.com.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Talking with Tanisha Nicole about microaggressions and all the other whack interactions that Black women experience. This is not make believe. The concerns that I have as a Black woman in society is not playing this damn race card that people like to say. It is real life. This is my life. These are the things I have to think about. The fact that I have to make sure when I move into a neighborhood that may be predominantly white, that I need to knock on each door to make sure that my family is recognized and I'm able to introduce my son. This is my son, Elijah. He belongs in this neighborhood Mm -hmm. because he lives here. If he's jogging, he's not running because he stole anything. Right. He lives here. Right. Right. Can we talk about, you know, that? Right. Um, Here we go. And I have to do that to make sure that they're fully aware, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, but it still won't stop it, right? It may not stop it. Um, and, and, and this is the reality in which we live in, but again, with the microaggression of telling us that we're overthinking it or, oh no, it's not that bad. That's that's my worst thing, Tanisha. I hate when I, I, I feel comfortable enough to share something with... Um, a white woman or a woman, even a woman who's white, because sometimes, you know, we all we're all we all have work to do. But when I say like, you know, I was going to get ready to get on an elevator and this woman refused to get on with me. And I say like, like, I know what it is. I have been in this body for 36 years. There is a difference between I know what racism feels like. I can feel it in my core. I can feel it on my body. I can see it in your face. I can see it in your actions, but more so I can feel it. It is a Mm. feeling that if you're looking at me a certain way, I know what it is. It's not my assumptions. It's 36 years of living like this. I get it, right? And so when I'm telling friends who um, are white about certain situations and they go, well, maybe she just wanted to take the stairs. Oh, my. It's like you're literally discounting everything that I'm saying. Everything. She did. This lady was old as hell. She wasn't taking no damn stairs. She just did not want to get on the elevator with black me. Yes. And, like, and, stop and, it. and that's the thing, because it's almost like, well, you're just you're constantly, you know, and I want to go ahead um, and say his name, Ahmad Arbery, yes. in terms of when I reference Elijah jogging, because I did that. And again, a situation in which something like that occurred. Uh, Trayvon Martin, we speak on as well, but just thinking about all the mothers and black women, the burden that we carry um, and blessing and having beautiful black babies, but knowing also that we have to try to protect them as much as we can and protect ourselves as much as we can. Speaking to that of what you said about the elevator, you know, I've even said that with some friends of mine as well. I remember I was entering a pool and 
the person said they needed to see, because this was staying at a hotel or something. Oh, man. And they wanted to see my card. Mind you, I just saw a whole bunch of white people that had just entered without oh, yeah. being Girl, asked for card. Oh my yes. God. The amount, like, yes. they, I kid you not. I t- every time Jeff and I, my partner, every time Jeff and I get ready to walk into Costco, I, it's a game now. I'm like, let's just look. Let's just look. And we see them. Everybody's getting let in. Everybody's getting let in. I go, get your card ready. Get your card ready. As soon as we get up there, they're like, can we? I'm like, you want to see our card? Okay. <laughs> like, mm. like, oh, okay. Mm. Just going to let them all in. But, yes. but now you got to check our card. And, okay. And then as soon as you say that to them and they're just like, no, like they get offended. They get offended like us. we don't know what it is. But I'm like, two plus two equals four. Yeah. Like, and, and maybe you don't even know it. Maybe you are so, it's like, You've been conditioned. You've been conditioned. Like, it's not even your fault, but you got to unlearn some of that. That is not what it is. Tanisha, I got to tell you, I could we could have this conversation for hours and hours because it's so real and it's so raw. And so I want to play a little racism roulette, okay? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know what this is, but okay, I'm, let's I'm, go for it. I'm, speak, I'm speaking something... Um, that I'm just going to throw it out there. Now we have not practiced this. We do not. We did not talk about this ahead of time. But we're going to do a little racism roulette. Danielle, um, let me just say this: you put two words together. This <laughs> <laughs> is scaring, scaring the shit out. <laughs> Look, I've triggered you. Racism I'm so sorry. Roulette. You just triggering me with the roulette. Okay, I did. I go. did. We're going to play a little racism roulette. It's not a fun game, but it will clearly it will help you all all you helpers out there and you people who are willing to listen, to really hear us and our stories, I want to say thank you to our listeners right now because I know it's not always easy to hear some of these things. And I know that sometimes when we do hear some of these things, it means that we have to turn that mirror on ourselves and think about in which ways are we perpetuating some of this, right? In which ways are we complicit in these things? And so I think it's really important that you hear these things, that you're going to be shocked I know. So that's one of the biggest things is when I tell people something, I can't believe it. You can't believe it Mm -hmm. in this world. All right. So a little bit of racism roulette for you. I will say something and you have to follow it up. Now, it can't be a whole story, T, because, you know, we could be here all day. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you'll get what I'm doing. So I'm just going to start with you're so articulate. You're so smart for a black girl. You're so pretty for a black girl. Is that your real hair? Not black people like them. You're one of the good ones. Well, how did you get in here? I mean, um, did you get like some type of athletic scholarship? Oh, you it must be affirmative action, right? Hmm. I, girl, I got so many. I'm like, I know. Can I, can know. I, can I go? Can I do this? I don't know if this uh, that falls in line. With what our game? up, girl? What up, girl? You go, girl. Oh, my God. Okay, so you know what? We gonna, There it goes. Can we take a break? Can Hold we take on. a break? Nope, because the break, now we need a story. Starbucks guy. You do, Okay, Thank so you. racism roulette has led to Starbucks guy. Starbucks guy, um, Jeff and I are in line at the books, and he, I, I'm listening to the barista, Tanisha, talk to the white woman in front of me. Mm-hmm. Hello, ma'am. What, can I take your order? What would you like? <laughs> and he is just having this. Co- you know where it's going. He's just having this, con- this story. He's having this conversation with this lady. She orders her, you know, venti something or other. She gets a little, a little scone on the side. I don't know. And it's a normal 
exchange, they walk up. Walk, she walks away. Mm-hmm. Jeff and I walk up. The young white boy behind the counter, the barista, who just had this normal conversation with this white woman, mm-hmm. proceeds to go, Hey, yo, what y'all want? What you ordering today? What y'all got popping for the weekend, though? Hey, what you drinking on? And I, Tanisha, I look at Jeff, and Jeff looks at me. We don't know whether we should laugh or cry. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's trying to relate or, it, like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm like, um, can I get a vintage high tea latte with soy milk? So. <laughs> and, right, right? And then Jeff looks, at, we walk out of, we walk out, and Jeff and I, we're holding our Starbucks, and Jeff looks at me and he's like, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, babe, I, like, I want to go back in and, like, Girl. have a, but it's not my job to teach him that, like, what are you doing? <laughs> listen, listen. Working in radio, I will never forget, walking into this building. Now, my co-host, I did a morning show, okay? Ryan and I walk in the building. We were talking about this. I said, listen, I need you to start paying attention to the way that you're treated versus me, right? Now, he's Asian, um, and he goes, okay, Tanisha, you know, because, of course, for him, he was like, I don't think it's as pronounced as I can. Watch this. Mm-hmm. We go up the elevator, okay? Walk into the professional building. I kid you not. Our supervisor looks at him and goes, hey, Ryan, good morning. How are you? Looks at me and goes, hey, Tanisha. Hey, girl, what's going on? Yes, girl. Like I, I, Now, first of all, I don't even speak like that. Like, that's not a day-to-day, like, and I know how to code switch. Of course you know, like, do. period. But it's survival. I've never... <laughs> Right. So it's funny to me because I was like, what? And he looked at me and he just was like, you you're kidding me. So he started to pay attention to the way in which I was, you know, spoken to by counterparts whenever we were in any meetings of any of that nature. Mm -hmm. And he saw how different because not only am I a woman and of course, women, when we are ever sitting at the table, if we're given permission to because most times they want us to dance on the table or serve the table. Mm-hmm. But Thank as you. a black woman at the table, we even know more so, right? We definitely uh, have to fight for that to be able to speak. And if we do, we got to be careful, like you said, Danielle, to not be too aggressive yep. too much because we can be a little bit intimidating, especially to other white females at times, right? Yeah. When it's just categories different. Can I throw this out here for the uh, racist roulette? Because it's the subtle ones. You ready? Oh, the subtle ones are the, those are the worst. Go ahead. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm colorblind. Oh, When I see you shit. and I see other people, I don't see color. Listen, listen, listen. Let me do the follow-up, T. Can I do the follow-up? <laughs> do the follow-up. What you're not going to do is erase my journey. Because, yeah. so here's the thing. I have a chronically sick child, right? It is Mm -hmm. a major part of her life. She gets tube fed at night. Mm. If you erase her illness, her sickness, it is a major part of who she is. Is it who she is? Absolutely not. But it is a major part of her story, okay? Mm. A major part of her story. You would never, ever, ever take that away because it tells so much about what she's been through, what her journey has been. 
how much she's overcome. So when you tell us that you're colorblind and you don't see color, we're not, that's not something that we applaud. It's not something that we're like, oh, this is amazing. Please see me, see all of me, see my beautiful blackness, my melanin dripping, see all of me. Let me add this on there. I need you to see it. Yep. Because I need you to see what I go through and I need you to fight for me. I need you to I need help. you to use your privilege. I need you to help me. I need for you that if you see my son in any compromising position or my daughter, that you recognize that because of their color, of what they're enduring in that moment, that they need you to step in and help. I have a friend of mine. I love her to death. We were trying to book an Airbnb for a group of friends. This is when I was living in Germany. And I had my profile picture up on Airbnb. I could not lock in any places. You had to have right? one, of those, one of your white friends use that privilege. I did. <laughs> I did. She didn't even. But here's the funny thing. She's like, Tanisha, okay, well, let's try it. Instant. When she did it, it was instant to the same people that I had requested. Of course it was. And she said to me, she said, she looked at me and she goes, Tanisha, this is a shame that we even have to do this. And then there was another situation in which one of our black male friends was being questioned and she stepped up and stepped in and used her privilege. And so, so see my color, see my color, see me. But I want to take a second to say that this conversation is so important. These are just bits and pieces of our everyday lives and the things that we experience. But please see us, see all of us, because when you do, you recognize, you see the differences. And, and it's so important for you to talk about race. If you are a white person and you believe you are friends with a black person, but you have never talked about race with your black friend. Yes. You don't have a black friend. Nope. You do not have a black friend. If, if you, you have not checked in mm-hmm. on them, if you have not said, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And if you're not, what can I do to help? Because if you're turning on the news and you're seeing these instances and you know what's going on, because trust and believe a lot of us are really experiencing so much trauma. trauma. And so as a friend, I don't want you to act like it doesn't exist. If I can't bring it up and talk to you and you can't have some sense of uh, conversation with me, right? Then there's a problem. Do you know what I mean? I love the fact that when my daughter was on a cheer team, Natalie, her coach, I looked at them and told them straight up because you know, they always have certain, um, ways in which they got to wear their hair for cheer competitions. Mm -hmm. I looked at her and I said, listen, I'm not putting weave in my daughter's hair. I'm not straightening it. I'm not doing any of that because I want my daughter to love her hair. And I don't want her to think in order for her to be accepted within this cheer team, she has to look like these other girls that have different texture hair. And she looked at me, she goes, Tanisha, she said, I love Malia's Afro puff. She -hmm. said, and I would never ask you to ever, but see what I was accustomed to was the opposite of that. If we can't have these conversations and we can't be honest with each other, like you said, you're not my friend. So I wanted to speak to this story of um, one of my white female friends. She invited me over for a party. Now, I was kind of, I had never seen any other uh, people of color (laughs) hang out with her. Amazing human being, amazing human being. And 
just never, he's just been so loving, kind, caring, treats my children like her family, right? So I go to this part. It's supposed to be a doppelganger like party where I'm supposed to dress up like some type of Hollywood, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So we go and I dress up and we're there. And as I'm at this party, when I tell you, there was a couple there, a white couple. And I promise you, Danielle, they started changing the music. Oh, shit. No, listen. <laughs> they started changing the music. Stop and it. they started playing hardcore rap and all these different things, right? But this is not the worst part. They Stop started it. following me around, I swear. And he kept tapping me on the shoulder. He's like, yeah, you hear this song. Like, what the hell? Like, I was, he was a Spotify, a human Spotify damn machine. That I hadn't put request in. And he goes, yeah, something, something, something. And he starts rapping the lyrics. Ain't oh, nothing shit. but a G thing, baby. Oh, and I'm looking at him. So he's Warren. following Jeez, me Dr. around. What is it? What, what was he, Dr. Dre? He was doing Dr. Dr. Dre. <laughs> yes. So he's doing the whole thing. And, and then he does that. Then he goes on. She comes over. She starts touching my hair. Oh my God. She, the, 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 the two this, of them. Is a, this is an episode of Blackish. <laughs> Listen, so my friend, oh, Christy, she looks at me and I said, Are you watching this? And she was like, You got to be shitting me. They literally, I walked into this place and they, and I, and I said, I'm about to go to their ass and say, You got any John Mayer? Which that was questionable. Right. With his little comment that he made. He was fine as hell till I heard about his penis being a member of the KKK, David Duke reference to his dick. But that situation happened. And then it was funny because that situation happened. And I went to another party, a Halloween party. It's funny. Halloween party, wealthy, uh, rich family, white. I go in, my ex and I go in together. And I kid you not, this is when Hurricane Katrina had just taken place not too long before, right? Mm -hmm. I walk into this party, everybody's in costume, okay? I don't think that some of their friends expected for them to have black, black friends show up, right? Mm -hmm. When I tell you one of the girls at this party was dressed as Hurricane Katrina. Get. She was a white oh, woman. Oh, no. She was wearing a T-shirt. I'm laughing, but it's not even funny. You have to, to me, laugh so. to stop from crying. <laughs> she dressed it's not funny. She, yes, she dresses in a white T-shirt. She oh cut the bottoms of the T-shirt like fringes. She tied furniture, kid doll <gasps> furniture. She tied people to the bottoms people. of the. Girl, it was Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. She tied, it, she tied black she people had, to her shirt. She, had, she tied to the shirt. Her husband, and, and but they thought it was cute because her name was Katrina. Oh, my so God. So then her husband was a weatherman. He had a, a spray bottle with the fan. So she turned around in circles <gasps> as the thing started flopping around her T-shirt and said, look, as he's spraying her. And I'm looking at that. And I said, you, I, again, in that moment, I'm like, I'm at this house. People are entertained by this. They're entertained by they a are. whole bunch of black individuals and people who have died that didn't get the aid that they needed. Somebody's the never even found because they floated down the streets. 
Like you are really the poverty in in those wards and everything else as you sit in this mansion of a home, right? And you thought that was a great costume, just like the blackface costumes, just Mm -hmm. like all of this other extra. And I'm just looking at this again, like I said, because me being offended would be, why is it such a big deal, right? Yeah. You're making it a big deal. So I just wanted to share that because... No, I love that you shared that. I think story time... I, here, here's the thing. I've always been a proponent of storytelling saves lives. Yes. <clears throat> I really believe that. I think when people share their stories, you know, we can, we can sit up here all day and we can give statistics and we can do all... Because it, it is what it is. But when we start to tell our stories, it's hard to... Um, take away our humanity, right? Like when we start to tell our stories, it's really hard to tell someone that didn't happen to you. When you tell a story like you just told, Tanisha, story time is important. So I'm going to let it ride a little bit. Do you mind? Let it ride. Uh, Let's let it ride a little bit because I think think the stories are um, just so important. They're so important. I... I could see you at the party, Tanisha. As you're telling me about Hurricane Katrina's ass, I can see you at this party. And I just remember so many times that, and here's the thing. If we spoke up on every single situation like this, we would, we couldn't survive it. The amount of, the amount of times that we have to be quiet just to protect ourselves um, when nobody else will. If we, if I called out every microaggression, I call out a lot of them. Like, let, let's be clear. I, call, I have called out many. Now in my life, at this point in my life, you say something in front of me, I'm going to say it quick. Like, I'm going to correct you. I don't, I'm, I'm anti-racist. I'm anti-homophobic. I'm anti-sexist. If you say something, any of that in front of me, I'm going to correct you. I'm not going to put my life and effort into making you change your ways, but you're not going to speak like that around me, period. And but the I fact think, that they feel so comfortable to do that. Do it. And that's, that's what's interesting. As an educator, I was teaching, I, I, you uh, work with um, special education, right? Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. And so I was speaking with a special education teacher at my school, white male. And I was speaking to a specific child that seventh grade English, and he had written in his journal. And this is a child, he actually was um, considered, um, it's defiance. I can't remember, what is it when they're, um, they have a term for it um, as far as with his anger. And it's um, where, anyway, he has an emotional they, they, it was, he had a emotional disturbance. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so is what it is. Yes. There you go. So at some point I was speaking to him privately about what I noticed when he wrote in his journal, one of the journal entries that I had was man in the mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? And I would play the Michael Jackson man in the mirror song and I'd have Mm -hmm. them reflect on, you know, what, what they see within themselves, what they would change. And one of the first things that he said, he says he saw a light skin boy and he talked about his complexion and i spoke to him about how young black males when it comes to being a lighter skin tone how at times they feel as if uh society sees them as pretty boys or they have these different things that are categorized soft they're mm-hmm. not as masculine they're not as you know whatever and so i said in conversations with this young man i feel at times he felt he had to overcompensate and being more aggressive in certain because of the the where he lived, right? For survival, <clears throat> right? Yes. And so we were talking about it. This man looked me in my face, and you said this is unfiltered, right? A hundred percent. 
I don't know. Y'all are probably going to filter this. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, there might be a beep. There so might be a beep, but go he, ahead. He, he looked me in my face. He said, yeah, as a white male. He said, yeah. And the darker you are, the more nigger you are. <gasps> just no, came off we, his and, here, and this is the thing. We shouldn't even... Because you know what? The trauma that that man inflicted when he said that and just... I want you to tell me, but listen, I need you to... And I'm sure you understand. This man has babies, these children. He's a teacher. Oh, He's a teacher. Girl, you don't have to tell me. I work in the system. And uh, Tanisha, they they can... When I tell you the biggest thing that I've been advocating for in the educational system is that we have to stop putting teachers who do not know how to teach to black kids, who do not know how to empower black kids, who, who do not racist. understand. Thank you. Let, let's just call a spade a spade. Who are racist in classrooms with black and brown babies. It is dangerous. It is dangerous. White teacher comes up to me, female. She says to me, we have been friends. She calls me into her classroom. She said, hey, Tanisha, can I ask you something? Um, so I have these group of boys. They're all black. And they're not really engaged in when I'm teaching. So do you think it would look bad if I took all of them and I put their desk together and I gave them coloring crowns? Oh my and paper. God. They're seventh graders in, in social studies. Okay. And if I put them together, do you think that would look bad? The fact that you even have to ask me that damn question, one. Number two, you wouldn't do that with the white kids. Absolutely that would not. Because Absolutely you know would not. damn well you would not. Because the truth was, other kids had been coming to me and telling me that this particular teacher, they could tell that she did not like black kids, right? And that you had to be a, it was, it was she was catering to a certain group. So see, my answer was, as an educator, it is my job to differentiate my instruction, to find a way to engage and to reach. But she didn't think those parents. Was, she didn't think it was her problem. She didn't think it was her problem. And she assumed that the parents weren't going to care anyway. There's so many layers to it. There are so many layers to it. So I'm going to I'm going to raise you the, the racist teachers and I'm going to give you the racist nurse. Mm. Oh, <clears throat> racism roulette, y'all. OK, Here we go. OK, so I'm with my best friend, Claire. You know Claire. She's great. And I'm with Claire. We're at the hospital. Della has had some type of allergic reaction. Um, And the lady recognizes me as someone who had been on the radio. And she goes, aren't you that girl who used to be on the radio? And I'm like, yeah. Also, not the time, lady. My baby just had an allergic reaction. Be professional. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I am. And the doctor goes, oh, wow. Like, you know what? The nurse goes... Oh, you know, she used to be on that, like, ghetto station, you know, with all the the ghetto music. Oh, my God. Tanisha, I am in a hospital. I am talking to a person who has gone to, like, you you are in med school. Oh, my God. You have had years and years of education. And she said, you know, that station that plays all that ghetto music? And I looked at Claire, and Claire looked at me. And it was one of those times that I didn't have the energy because my baby, like Tanisha, literally, Claire and I talk about this to this day, as we always talk about moments we wish we could go back. And if we were who we, like who I am now, 36-year-old Danielle, that she, racist nurse would have had a whole different conversation. I, I just looked yes. at Claire and Claire looked at me and it was kind of like an internal, like we just knew, okay? And it, it happens all the time. R- racist makeup artists. Now I wrote about this in my book, 
shameless plug, support black authors, empathy and eyebrows. That's what it is. Get it Um, out there, boom. Thank you. I wrote about this in my book. I had a makeup artist work with me. I had kind of, I kind of knew that in the beginning, I, there was, I, I wouldn't work with a racist person knowingly, right? Like, that's just not who I am. I'm not, I, I don't sell my soul to anybody. I don't care. But she didn't give me any inclination that she was racist <laughs> at first. Because um, a, a lot of people are undercover racist, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't know. Everybody's not blatantly racist. Um, and we're, it's honestly the subtle racists that are really scary because they don't even know. So she's telling me this story about her daughter and how, something often awful had happened to her daughter. And I'm not, uh, this man had done something awful to her daughter. Now in my man, that in my girl, I'm getting riled up. Let me pause and breathe for a second. That's okay. <clears throat> she tells me something awful about her daughter. And in my mind, I don't assign a ethnicity to this person mm-hmm. because it's just a terrible person. Like this person did something awful to her daughter. That's awful. I'm sorry. Again, my mind doesn't assign an ethnicity to this person. Mm-hmm. So she turns to me and she goes, as she's telling me this awful story about what happened to her daughter. And she, mind you, Tanisha, we are in Radio One, which is a FUBU company for us mm-hmm. buyers. This is a Black-owned company. She has been invited into a space that clearly she should not have been invited into. Half of my face is done, not even the whole damn face. Half of my face is done, and as she turns back to add a layer of mascara, homegirl says to me, now, I usually don't say the word nigger, but... But oh. what? In this moment, except right now, ex- but to a is, black woman? This what? is the time in which I say that word. But, but this is the time where it matters and he's a nigger. It, it, she literally looked... Black me in the face. And here's the kicker. Right afterwards, like I was shocked. I I, I froze. I panicked. That fight or flight kicked in. And what yes. people don't un- understand is that there's three, actually. It's not just fight or flight. Sometimes it's freeze. And I froze, which honestly was for her benefit. Because I probably would have lost my job. I probably would have went to jail. There's like so many things that could have happened in that situation. And I froze. And so I took about 24 hours before I reached out to her to tell her how deeply hurt I was, right? Like, I didn't even think, and here's me, and this is you too, Tanisha, because we're empaths and because we care and we want to change people and want to help people and we want people to do better. I I didn't think that I was going to need to fire her as my makeup artist. I didn't think any of this stuff. I thought, I'm going to have to sit her ass down and have a real conversation and educate her. The only problem is, is someone has to be receptive to that because Tanisha, when I reached out to her and I said, I've been thinking about this for the last 24 hours, this hurt me deeply. I cannot believe those words came out of your mouth. I cannot, what have I done wrong to make you feel that comfortable that you could say something like that to me and think that I would be okay with it? And she did not say, I'm sorry. She did not say, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. She said to me, you have no idea what I've been going through. And I huh. was, oh, this is what we do. We play the victim and, and, victim. and we switch. And I, 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 can't, I can't do it anymore. And the, the thing about it is, this is what we go through all the time. 
these stories, I kid you not, it's Black Story Month, but my computer is on 10%. So I know we have to wrap it up. But I want you all listening, all you wonderful helpers out there, to understand that this is not just my story. This is not just Tanisha's story. This is so many of our stories. And we could do this all day. We could do this all day. We could tell you, I posted on my Instagram and asked women of color to talk about some of the microaggressions. I urge you to go look at my Instagram and read the the messages, read the comments, read the things that black women have been subjected to, have had to hear about themselves and, and how they have to navigate it all the time. And so while we talk about black pain a lot, it is imperative that we wrap this up with black joy because what I'm not going to do is talk about our experiences, which are often like this, right, Tanisha? They, they yes. traumatize us. They cause us pain. They are harmful. But what I will not ever deny is black girl magic. Yes. Okay? Yes. And so as we wrap up, I want to first thank you, Tanisha, for playing racism roulette with me because I know it's triggering and I know it's not easy. And I love you, sis. I love you. And I want to say thank you for that. And um, I love you. I, I know, love you. Boo. I love you so much. So as we wrap up, Tanisha, I want you to center yourself in your melanin. I want you to center yourself in all your black girl magic. And I want to ask you, what is your favorite thing? Despite what the world tells you, despite what people have said to you, despite all of your experiences, what is the absolute best thing? Because I already know this. I'm going to answer your Let me ask the first question. Would you ever trade it, Tanisha? Wouldn't. Never. 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 I never. would never and trade if, it. And if I could, in which I have through my daughter, go back to little me, mm-hmm. I would have told her the power that she possesses. Oh, my possesses. God. And that's what we're doing with our kids, Tanisha. Yes. And I look at my daughter, and I just told her the other day, and I said to her, that knows your skin, your hair, all of those things that are black about you are beautiful. Your mind, we have running through our veins, the blood of our ancestry and our ancestors. And as I watched with my daughter to see Madam Vice President Mm -hmm. Harris at that inauguration, as I heard Amanda Gorman Mm. give her speech and saw how powerful she was, I said to my daughter, We have so many women that have come before us who have, again, not tried to just chip away at a glass ceiling, but are so powerful that they've tried to get through that concrete. And I know that we, as women, the reason why we are treated in certain ways and the way in which we are dismissed and the ways that we are suppressed is because a lot of people know and see the magic and the power mm-hmm. we possess. And it's scary. And it's scary. So I am proud to know that I, as a Black woman, am bold, brilliant. Mm. Yes, tell beautiful. me all your favorite things about being a Black all woman. All of those things. I love the fact that as a Black woman, I have a strength, right, in me, also a nurturing spirit within me. Because we are Mother Earth. Mm. We are that. We, when we go back to Africa and we go back further to know 
the birth of civilization through us. We've birthed nations. Mm. That's and, who we and are. Built them. <laughs> For and free. built them and for free. taught them the fact that we as black women, and even if we go back and date back in time of nursing children was that say, wasn't even ours. We, we breastfed other people's yes. babies. Yes. We as black women, the strength in which we carry our, even our black kings, right? We as queens, I'm just so proud of us. I'm proud of us that despite all obstacles, that have been against us. We continue to rise. We continue to succeed. We are entrepreneurs. We are successful. We are so many different things. And our magic, that is something no one can take away from us. So I am proud of who I am. Yes, you are. What I've yet to become and those that will follow me as I try to continue to clear this path for other young Black girls to be able to look at their reflection and see their beauty. Absolutely, Tanisha. I am honestly grateful for this conversation. I'm definitely going to have you back on because I think there's so much more to talk about at some point. I want to hold space for all the Black women in the world who have been told that they aren't beautiful, are not smart enough, are not good enough. I also want to thank the people who are using their privilege Yes. You know, I want to thank the people who are using their privilege because we need you. We absolutely need you. Um, For so long, so many of us thought that our black was not beautiful and it wasn't our faults. Trust and believe our parents didn't teach us that. Yes. Um, We live in a world that is constantly telling us that we aren't good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not. We're not enough. And so. You know, from from two black women who can only speak for themselves, but who understand you do matter. You are beautiful. You are magical. You do matter. And we will fight every single day to make sure that other people realize that you matter as well. I love you, Tanisha. I love you, black girl. I love you, black girl. I love you so much. Thank you so much, T. I got all I got chills and I can I can breathe a little easier having this conversation so here's the thing I probably don't have to tell you this but I'm going to anyway it's really hard being a black woman in society it's hard being black in society But for the sake of what we're talking about today and me being a black woman and Tanisha being a black woman, it's really hard being a black woman in society. Getting rid of your own microaggressions might take some serious introspection. It's going to take unlearning. Hell, I'm black and I have to unlearn some of it myself. It's gonna take admitting that you were raised in a culture that taught you to internalize hate of other people. Here's the thing, black people aren't even blaming you. At least I know I'm not blaming you. I only get frustrated when people don't accept it, recognize it, and want to change it. We all have white supremacy in us. We were born into it, raised around it. It was literally gift-wrapped and handed to us. It is there. Now, if we can admit that it's there, we can change it. We'll have resources for how to start unlearning in our show notes. Because when you know better, you have to do better. 
And now that you've heard all these stories about being Black and being a Black woman and how hard it can be, what are you going to do to be a better person? Because right now you're learning more. You know better now. So I'm begging you to do better. How are you going to use your privilege to help others? Full transparency, full vulnerability. I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime, but I have two little beautiful brown daughters. Black girl magic at its fullest. And they are nine and six. And maybe I won't see it in my lifetime, but God, I hope they get to see it in theirs. And the only way that's gonna happen is if we all commit to anti-racism, if we commit to recognizing that we all play a part in it, we all play a part in it. Me too. And if we keep continuing to unlearn and to do better when we know better. I wanna thank Tanisha for her time. I wanna thank her for being a black woman and dealing with all the shit that I know she has had to deal with. I know that these were only the surface of stories. She's been a black woman for a long time. There are way more stories, I know it, because I have way more stories. So thank you so much, Tanisha, for bearing your soul and sharing your story with us. As always, the conversation continues in the Still Kicking Club, an online group dedicated to building a safer and braver world, one person at a time. Plus, if you donate to this show, you'll get added to a secret page where you can chat with our team about each episode. Even me, I'll be on there too. This has been another episode of Help a Human Out. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Our executive producer is Nora McInerney. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. Our audio production is done by Red Rock Music. And you can learn more and donate at stillkicking.co slash podcast. We'll be back next week with part three of Black Story Month. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.